Welcome to the Tideline Talks podcast, where we discuss all things related to sports medicine, health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that's easy to understand. It's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Michael Slafani, founder of Tideline Sports Performance and Rehabilitation. What's up, Tideline fam? Welcome back to another episode of the Tideline Talks podcast with your co-host, myself, Brandon Christ. I am the office manager and performance coach here at Tideline Sports Performance and Rehabilitation. And most recently, I've been hopping on the mic uh, with some of our podcast guests from the community, uh, highlighting local professionals, health and fitness enthusiasts. Um, and that really is kind of the bread and butter of this podcast is to highlight the successful people in our community who also uh, are athletes who compete in sport, whether it's powerlifting, bodybuilding, um, you know, running, golf, whatever it is. So uh, on today's episode, we have Joe Millslegel from the Millslegel team at Preferred Shore Real Estate. He's a men's physique athlete and powerlifter, local to Florida, born and raised. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you for having me today. You having a good day, man? Joe and I have been chatting for a little bit. Um, he got here 30 minutes early and we had 30 minutes of content that we did not record. So... We're finally hopping on the mic here. Um, Joe drives a fantastic Corvette. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Just start out with, because yeah, I, lo- I love it. Definitely. So I have had my Corvette just over a year now. When I got it, I knew that immediately that I wanted to wrap it. So I wrapped it once, didn't like the color scheme, wrapped it again. I actually think it went to the wrap shop about four times, maybe five times before I was done with the final wrap. Um, it's three colors, black, purple, and green. Then after that, I started adding body parts. I changed out the hood. I added side skirts and a front fender and actually changed out the spoiler recently, too. When's the uh, Corvette going to compete? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Fixing the body, making yeah. it look pretty, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just messing around. Yeah. No, but it's it's a Corvette, so it's it can be a daily driver, too. Yeah. So it's not like where, you know, some of these high-performance cars, if you drive it 10,000 miles, it drops half its value. Oh, totally. Yeah. Kind of like motorcycles too. It's like yeah. motorcycles are great, but the more you drive them, the right. less they're worth and the quicker they right. honestly break. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm guessing that's what you're saying. Performance cars, they're great cars. They're fast. Yeah. Nothing can beat them, but they're not really made to drive a lot. Correct. That's fair. Right. Uh, makes sense with the Corvette. I mean, I love it, dude. I just thought it would be something cool to talk about real quick. Yeah. Um, so you're um, real estate agent at uh, the Mills Legal team local to Florida, I guess, why don't you tell us like a little bit about how you were raised, you know, just like how you got to sure. kind of where we're at today with sure. like the f- competitions and all that. Yeah. We will go into specifics of your past competitions, your previous comp, your uh, future competitions, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. why don't you give us a little uh, brief history of, you know, how you got from where you were to who you are now. Right. So as young, young boy, I was very competitive. I think my parents most of my life until I was about eighth grade, I was always in four to six sports. Mm -hmm. Like always. I played everything. Um, What sports? Golf, tennis, baseball, basketball. Um, I did track. I did volleyball in middle school just because you could. I did volleyball too just because you could. And actually, I was really good at it. Right, right. I could jump high. So, I mean, like, I loved playing on the net. Um, Soccer. Soccer was big. I played soccer for... 15 years, very competitive in all those sports. I always wanted to win. Um, you know, when I, I trained all of them 
a lot, I probably most of my life, I put 30 hours into athletics every single week. Mm-hmm. And when I got to high school, obviously you narrow things down to what's your best at. Yeah, with the best. Right. Yeah. In my first year of high school, I did basketball and track because I was, I was pretty fast in the 400 and a mile. And then uh, sophomore and junior year was only basketball. But okay. then I quit my junior year because I thought more things were more important in life than sports. And I was wrong, but that's okay. You know, so you quit sports in your junior year, yeah. not school. Right. Actually, my junior year, my like, senior oh, year, <laughs> I took all AP and honors classes and it was my best year for grades for school. Oh, that's awesome. But so I, you you like, well, I guess in school, were you, did you like being in school? Like what kind of a, you know, kid when, were you? When I played sports in high school, I didn't like the school's part. I liked the sports part. My okay. senior year when I didn't play sports, you I enjoyed the school part. Right. Well, I was, I was a big fan of math and like physics and things like that. So like I, I love to learn how things work. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. So your senior year, you got more into the academic part of it, yeah. um, which I freaking hate academics. Yeah. <laughs> that's just how I am. Um, and I mean, that's so it's like when people when I hear that from people, I'm just like, that's really cool. Because yeah. for me, it's not like I've tried to like academics. I've tried to go to school. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm not smart and I can't learn. I just don't want to learn what someone tells me to learn. Meanwhile, if you were to be like, hey, um, like, for example, you know, I need to change my oil and all of the places that change oil are closed. Okay, well, I'll go get a book and I'll learn how to change oil. But if <laughs> right. you're like, here's this book, right. go ahead and read it and you'll learn how to change your own oil. Right. I'll be like, I don't want to fucking learn that from you. Well, let me ask you a question. So, like, if somebody, because you play baseball, if somebody said, well, you can't hit the ball over the fence. Yeah. What are you going to do? You can hit the ball over the fence. Hit it over the fence. The reason I got into academics my senior year is because somebody told me I couldn't. That's fair. They were so like, I was like, just right, an athlete. Right. Yeah. Well, because I, I only took base level classes my first three years. And I was just an average student. I was like a B student. My guidance counselor actually told me, you, you shouldn't take a strong class load your senior year because you don't have to. Yeah. And I was like, nah. So the competitive side of me kicked in. Did kick in. Right. So it wasn't necessarily that I was like, oh yeah, let's go do all of these things. I was like, no, no, no. Somebody just told me I can't do it. So, so I'm going to go do it. Right. That's fair. And the fuck you part of me where that comes from is right. that... I like my whole life, my teachers and everyone would tell me like what I can't do. And yeah, that did motivate me to go ahead and do those things. But it wasn't necessarily like you can't um, you can't learn this or you can't learn that. It was just like you're never going to be anything. You are you can't play sports like that's never going to take you anywhere. You have to sit here and you have to learn this. Right. And so I'm like, uh, fuck you. Actually, I don't (laughs) need to learn any of this shit. I'm going to go fucking focus on what I want to focus on Mm -hmm. and not do any of this and be successful anyway. Right. So that's kind of where that like fuck you of information came from is because it's like people would be like, you're not going to be this way because you don't do this. And I'm like, well, it's because there's another way to do it. And you just you don't see my way. And that's cool. Um, But that's awesome. So that's basically just kind of uh, how you became successful. Like in high school, you learned that of, you know, someone tells you you can't. And so you go ahead and you achieve it. Your senior year, you got good grades. And then what yep. happened? You go to college. Well, yeah. So I went to college for a long time and I never actually got my degree. I never finished the degree because when I went to college, again, the more important part of it was the social aspect. Yeah. So it took me forever. Like there were certain semesters I'd take two classes because I'd be like, it would interfere too much with my social part of my life. Got it. Um, And that was probably a downfall. But I mean, towards the end when I could have, I think I had maybe one or two semesters left of credits to finish. But I got a job in restaurant management and I was like, 
I'm in school for business management. Yeah, and I get, I can get a restaurant management job and manage well, a business. <laughs> what, what, what am I doing? Like, why why am I continuing yeah. with this? So it kind of went that way. And fitness was in there, but it wasn't as prevalent as when I was an athlete. Oh, gotcha. So like I, I would go in, I'd hit two twenty five on bench every once in a while. You know, I'd go in and do some arms. Like a weekend warrior, so to speak. Right, right. I wasn't anything serious probably until like two thousand ten again. I to give you some reference, I graduated yeah. high school in two thousand four. Okay. So there's probably six years I didn't really care very much about fitness other than doing it here and there. Okay. Um and then in two thousand ten I got back into it and I actually just worked out most of my garage. And I started, you know, looking in to get certified as a personal trainer. I did that for, you know, I did get certified and I trained a few people at the restaurant that I worked at. Mm-hmm. And then eventually in 2012, I opened my own gym. Cool. And I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. So I, I went through all that process. What was uh, the name? Fitness 1440 was a franchise. We were okay. down in Northport. Um, we were open. We officially opened our doors March 2013, but I signed my lease August 2012. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew that was the plan all of 2012. So we worked towards that um, from March 2013 till August of 2018. I owned the gym. Okay. Um, I sold the gym because that year I got into real estate because my wife had got into chiropractic school. I needed a job that would travel. Yeah. Um, the gym didn't travel. I didn't make any money at the gym if I didn't work. It was a very small gym. Yeah, brick and mortar. Right. Yeah. I mean, 4,000 square feet. Like, I had to clean the bathroom, sign up memberships, and do all the personal training. You were the staff. Right. So, I had some staff so I could have some time off on, like, weekends and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, I had to work it. So, if we were going to move and go to chiropractic school, I needed another job. Okay. Um, and this was in Northport. Yes. You, were you living in Northport when you had this? When I had the gym, yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And when did you meet your wife? Like, how long were you guys together? Were you we met at the gym? And wife at that point? No, we we, we yes that uh, yes we met at the gym in 2014. She was a member. Your gym or my gym? Okay. Yeah, she was. So a, the gym you owned. Yep. That's where you met your wife. Yes, super. Correct. You skipped over the one of the core. Right, I know. I know. I know. We're, we're we're jumping around a little bit. <laughs> I, I also proposed to her at the gym. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That one was more planned. Um, meeting her. I hope so. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you right. Have a ring. Right. Right. Meeting her was interesting because she joined the gym and she actually told her cousin at the time, the first time she saw me, that's my future ex-husband. That's funny. Um, so she did little things to try to get my attention because, you know, as a gym owner, I I didn't really look at members that way. Like, you know, you're a member, you're, you're being friendly, whatever. I'm not going to go ahead and cross that line. I totally, I love that you said that because yep. I ran gyms for a while too. Right. And that's exactly how I never right. dated anyone at any right. of the gyms I ran. Right. She tried very hard. Um, she messaged me for business advice because she wanted to open up a tanning salon with her cousin. Yeah. Which they obviously didn't do. But she she wanted to chat about, this, you know, opening. How do you do that? And she was actually thinking about renting one of the spaces in the, in the complex. Okay. So she had a conversation with me about that. And I still didn't ask her on a date. So she almost went to the point of hiring me as a personal trainer. Yeah. We didn't get there because eventually the conversation. Like, I want to spend time with you so bad, bro. I, I'll pay you at this point. Right, right. right. <laughs> well, I, I don't know why I didn't get the hint. She used to come in the middle of the day and do like two hours of cardio. But, you know, whatever. Whatever. Uh, eventually I did, you know, muster up. And I said, hey, you want to hang out sometime. So we, we hung out a few times. And probably within the first time that I hung out with her, I just – I was living in an apartment complex and you know, an apartment complex, you, you know, your neighbors. So I went upstairs to my neighbor and I told him, I was like, I think I'm going to settle down, man. Yeah. 
That's funny. <laughs> I, I, so I think after it, like two or three times, I, it was the first like, night I like, met her. Okay, yeah, so you well, hung the out, first night we hung out. Yeah, I told him I was like, yeah, I, I think he, I'm done. I'm done with the, 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 the you know the party life, all that stuff. I think we're I'm gonna settle down now. So I knew I knew pretty quickly. Um, she was very different than any any girl or woman that I'd ever met. You know, she she had her shit together already. Mm-hmm. Like she already had a good job. She had her own place. She had you know her own money. She had good values. Like she was just very different um, than anybody I'd ever met. So that's fantastic. Yeah, connection was very quick. And I mean, I haven't met her or seen you together physically, but yeah. obviously you're on you know social, and it seems like you guys have a really good relationship. I mean, whenever yeah. you're in pictures together, you both look genuinely happy. Yeah, and you can tell couples who you know take pictures and they're just smiling for the gram but like you guys actually look like you love each other so right that's really cool and um so you you met her at the gym you started yep. dating when you had the gym and yep. then the gym closed so how many years were you dating between when you closed the gym to support her with chiropractics and started real estate well she never went to chiropractic school okay so i'll take you back through that we met in 2014 um i think it was september we didn't meet them but that's when we started dating officially yeah um, we were living together by December. We've lived together ever since, okay. since so December, like 2014, like four or five months of dating and then yeah. living together. I proposed to her in January of 2015. Okay. <laughs> it's a month way. later. No, that's awesome. We got married a year and three months later from there. So 2016. Okay. Um, it was April 2nd, 2000. She wouldn't let me marry her on April fools. So it was April 2nd, 2016. And then, you know, we, we were kind of in a place where we, you know, I was running the gym, she was doing her thing and we always had dreams and stuff like that. And she said, you know, she wanted to be a doctor and she didn't really like the idea of like blood and things like that. It's not necessarily squeezy about blood, but you know, just things she could get from blood. Yeah. So she always had that. So she went back and she finished some classes in biology and she got in chiropractic school at Palmer over, it's in the Daytona area, Port Orange. When she got in, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do anything to make that happen. And I was like, well, I got to figure out another job because I can't make any money at the gym. You can't move your gym. Right, yeah. right. Physically, I can't move the gym. And she wouldn't be working. Chiropractic school, for you, for everybody that doesn't know, it's basically three years where you're, all of your time is that. Yes. Yeah, From 6 a.m. till 11 o'clock at night. Your chiropractic school because they get it done in three years, which is fast. It's crazy. It's fast, fast to become a doctor. Yeah. Um. So I knew that. So I knew she wouldn't have any income. Obviously, she had student loans and things like that. So I started going through it. I was like, Can I be a plumber? Can I be an electrician? I actually did research on all these things. Yeah. Most of those jobs would not pay enough money within a couple years to actually support the lifestyle that we were, you know, living. Yeah. Um. Because we had about a joint income of about eighty-eight, ninety thousand dollars a year. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's a little bit above average. So we, we lived okay. But I mean, even at that, it's, you're still at the point where if you save $2,000 a year, cause you own your own house, cars and things like that, like that's great, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I looked into everything. Finally, I went to real estate school, got into real estate. Cause I, I knew the upwards potential was high. Yeah. Your average realtor potential. only makes like $40,000 a year. 80% of them only make like 40 or $50,000 a year. Cause they don't close more than $2 million a year. Um, but I knew there was high potential if I worked that. So I went to real estate school, got my real estate license. So you saw that 80% of people fail and yeah. you were like, let me do this. Right. 
Right. Because okay. I'm a competitor. <laughs> like, know. let's, that's let's, that's exactly let's take my shot at this, right? Yeah. So um, I went through that process. The beginning of 2018, I was a realtor. I took the first, you know, few weeks to kind of interview brokerages and things like that. And I found one. My biggest question was, you know, how do you get me to the point where this is this is a career, this is a job where I can make money? Yeah. Most of them said, you know, we're going to teach you tricks on how to knock on doors and things like that. And I was like, that's, that's good and fine. I'm going to a place where I don't know anybody. Yeah. Like I'm moving to a new area. Right. So like, what are you going to really give me? And they, you know, they didn't really have a good answer for me. And then I found a brokerage that actually provided you with leads. So you didn't have to know anybody. Yeah. You just had to answer your phone, go on our appointments, Do your job. convert. They took 50%, but I didn't care because I knew it was built in. So I went with them, you know, started over here with them just, just to kind of, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be for a while. She wasn't supposed to start until August of um, two thousand. 18 it was supposed to be her first semester start. Um, we had some trouble finding housing over there to buy just because I was switching careers and both of our careers were over on this side and lenders are quite smart. Well, the underwriters are, they'd be like, so you're going to drive 150 miles to work every day. <laughs> no, 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 we're not going to approve you for a house. We couldn't even approve for a house. Um, and she was a vet tech. So we had like seven animals. Yeah. So getting an apartment and a rental was hard. And the, the timeline, by the time we realized we weren't going to get a house, it was already like July. Yeah. So our timeline started getting short. Yeah. But I was already on a path in real estate that I was going to make more than her as a chiropractor. Mm. So Within three months? or It was like six. Six, okay. six months. I'm trying to piece yeah. that together in so, my head. So within six months, I was already at, on a pace to make over six figures a year. Okay. Um, and she looked at me one day and she said, you know, I, I got in. That's a great fulfillment for me. But a big reason I was doing it is obviously just to take another level in my career to where we're jumping. You know, we're not just making the same amount of money every year. We're, we're, we're going forward. You already did that. So she's like, it's, it's becoming a challenge. And there was actually one night that we were over in Port Orange. We were going out to movies where after the movies, you know, I was like, this is going to be our new home soon. Because we stayed at a hotel right by where we're going to kind of stay. Yeah. And she teared up a little bit. And I just don't think she was also ready to just move away from the area. Yeah, to do that. Yeah. Um, so it all kind of worked out to where we stayed. And I started, I actually switched brokers because I knew what I was doing at that point. And you I started. Six months under your belt. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I, I knew the system. I knew the business model. So I invested in myself. And if I look back on it, it was kind of a risky investment because the lead companies are all on your agreements. Yeah. I signed a year agreement basically saying, I'm going to give you $3,000 a month regardless if I make any money. That's a lot. And by lead companies, you mean you pay a company $3,000 a month. So like if you go. It, uh, leads for you. Correct. So like have you ever gone on like Realtor.com or Zillow and looked at houses? Yeah. If you click that button, what happens? Yeah, you get a lead. And does that go to you? That goes to every realtor? They're shared. So some of them are shared. So it might go to like two or three. Yeah. Gotcha. So I'm just curious. It's, speed. To get inside. it's yeah. speed to lead. And that's kind of the thing. So I did very well at that. In my first two years, I excelled greatly. Like my first year, I think I just did over $5 million in sales. And like I said, I basically only, I started late January, February. So, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a mentor or anything like that. So I figured it all out on my own. So like I, the company I was with, if I asked them a question, it took them three days to get back to me. Yeah. 
In real estate, that's forever. That's, yeah, so you could have a deal done. Well, it's yeah. done in a day if you don't get answers. So I, I picked up a lot of the stuff on my own. My second year, we jumped to about seventeen million, and my third year, I was at thirty-four million. Big jumps. Yeah. So I figured it out quickly, and the mojo was investing in myself and just kind of working the system and putting the hours in. Mm-hmm. But my first two years of real estate, I mean, yes, I did very well, and I propelled our family to you know a different different place. But there was weeks I trained once. Like uh, like in the gym. Yeah. Yes. Because you dedicated yeah. everything. And that. at that point, I was already a powerlifter. Okay. So I got into powerlifting. Because you owned the gym, right? So you were right. into health and fitness again at that point. Well, I, I started the gym, like I said. We started the process in 2012 because I always, I always loved fitness. Like even when I was a kid, I used to pick up the muscle and fitness magazines and things like that. So started in 2012. About 2016, I started like – losing my drive to really push myself in the gym. Okay. And I said to Laura, I need something to do. I need some competition or something. Am I going to run a 5K? Am I going to do Ninja Warrior? What am I going to do? Yeah, CrossFit. Right. And I was like, you know, I tried to diet for like four days back then. And I was like, can't do this. Um, Not going to do bodybuilding show. At that time, I didn't know where I was going to go with everything. But I was like, no, can't not eat food. I like being strong. Let's try powerlifting meat. So sign up for powerlifting meat. These guys look like they eat. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, I don't lose any strength. You know, you kind of always stay as strong as you are. Yeah. You diet, you do lose some strength. It's just going to come with the, you know, the um, territory. Yeah, but not as uh, aggressive as bodybuilding. And all no, that. no. Yeah. So I did powerlifting meet, just did push-pull my first one. After my first meet, I did seven meets in about a year and a half. Wow, seven in a year and a half? Yeah. That's a, that's a lot because that's one basically every other month. Yes, it was about one meet every nine weeks. Yeah, that's a lot for your nervous system too. Yes, because like the yep. tra- that's what but I was hooked. Just in case people who are listening don't understand, it's like powerlifting. Um, yeah, you lift heavy weight, but it's done in a very specific way because it's nervous system stimulation. It's like you are taxing your nervous system every single session because you're lifting at a high percentage of your one rep max. Whereas with bodybuilding, you're not doing that, so you no. can train long periods of time um, for a long period of time, meaning like you can train for two to three hours a day, three to six days a week, and you're perfectly fine because you're not lifting 600 pounds every time. Right. So for Joe to have done seven competitions or powerlifting meets within a year, that basically gives his nervous system zero time to rest between training and the actual competition. Right. So that's crazy, dude. Well, and (laughs) the crazier part is – my total went up almost every single meet. The, yeah, so you got better. Right. The only time it didn't is if I missed a lift. And it wasn't because it was strength. I missed a lift because of a command yeah. or something you know silly like that. Um, so that's kind of some backstory there. Like I said, I did very well in real estate. I was doing powerlifting. So, you know, at that point, I was training once a week. I literally did a meet. To where I trained once a week the last four weeks of oh, <laughs> leading wow. in the meet. Yeah. And I, I still did okay. Um, but that was around, let me think, 2019. It was the last, one of the last meets. It was the last meet that her and I actually did together. It was Battle of the Bay in Tampa yeah. in 2019. The month and a half later, she was pregnant. Oh, wow. <laughs> That was the reason, the, right. the last time we did a meet together. Yeah. Um, and then she was pregnant. Baby was born December 2019. 
four months later, COVID hit. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. So my best meet ever was actually in November, 2019, the like four weeks before she gave birth. Okay. It was the first time that Dan Bell broke the all time world record. It was up in Gainesville. Yeah. Same meet. Um, and I was just slightly under 1700 pounds at two twenty. So that was the last time I, I performed at that kind of level. Um, because obviously COVID hit, so there was no meets. And by the time there was a meet, um, I was basically training in my garage, Jordan's garage, because no gyms were open. Which, guys, um, if you have not listened to Jordan's podcast, you go back and listen to it, because it'll come out uh, right before Joe's podcast, which is kind of the whole timeline that I've looked at. And I'm glad that you mentioned that, because Jordan, we talked about that for a while, how Showcase started, and he essentially, like, you guys needed somewhere to train. And yep. he had a garage that had some equipment. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it started. So right. you can go ahead and right. uh, you know talk about that again from this perspective too. So we we train out of the garages, um, and that that went well, but it it's not it's not the same thing. So when I went to the next meet, my numbers I didn't hit what I wanted to hit, but also I was very rushed. There's you know there's things that go into a powerlifting meet. You don't have yeah. time to warm up, things like that. It it all kind of comes together, and I think it was. That same prep was the first time I deadlifted 700 pounds. Oh, wow. And I did it at GrindFit. Um, and I had never deadlifted 700 pounds before. So I thought it was a great idea to say, hey, you want to shoot a video and like invite everybody there? And I'm going to deadlift 700. Never done before. I, I'd been at 688 for like two years. Yeah. But I had hit 695 in the gym two weeks before. I was like, no problem. You're just like, let's, let's see do how it. many people can watch me. And I was me, like, and let's light the weights on fire. Yes. And we did it. Um, and I got I got it. I like that. Big video. It's on my Instagram. Um, lit the weights on fire. 700 pounds. That's sick. Uh, deadlifted, unlimited. You, a bunch of Instagram uh, pages reshared it. It was a pretty popular video because it was still during the time of COVID. So everybody's kind of home. Yeah. Um, and about a month and a half later is when I tore my adductor and oh, shit. bodybuilding started for me. Yeah, that's fair because it's like I can't really power lift right now. I couldn't get out of my car. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. How like, long was the recovery for that? Um, well, they didn't do surgery because the doctor said there was a 70% chance I was going to recover on my own. Um, I don't believe I squatted or did any kind of big leg motion again for at least six or seven months. Yeah, it takes a while. Right. And even then, I was less than 50% of what I was doing before. But you can bodybuild. Sure can. Yeah. Sure can. Bodybuilding isn't, yeah. or building muscle isn't always dependent on the right. amount of load lifted. Well, and that's a big reason that I started with men's physique. Because it was very easy for me to be yeah, upper body focused. Shorts, right. Yeah. Right. Well, and I was already very well developed. I had a high bench press. Like that was, I had a decent amount of muscle. I was also a big back deadlifter. Okay. So I had back, I had, you know, upper body. So you had the foundation right. from your powerlifting training, years right. of sports, fucking around in the gym on your right. own. There was a foundation for physique. You could still see some of the powerlifting tendencies in my first show when I cut down. I still had a big core from deadlifting. Where the last two shows I did, that was gone because I deadlifted three times in like 18 months. Yeah. Like we purposely were trying to shrink the muscles in my core. Yeah. Um, so you see a lot of that. But I mean, going back to that, we were training in Jordan's garage, did the 700. I actually tore the adductor, I think, because I was trying to do a strongman event, um, Florida's strongest up in Tampa, and then a powerlifting meet the week later. <laughs> So you're pushing yourself. That goes back to that nervous system stuff, guys. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and I was doing my powerlifting routine, 
and then going to train the strongman events immediately after. Yeah. And I think the bags over bar got me because I tore that after a lot of hips, a lot of, you know, pushing the hips through. I I tore it at Grindfit doing squats. I was squatting 570 and it just, as I was trying to come out of the hole, it felt like a rubber band snapped in my stomach. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. No, it was. I mean, I was bruised from the opposite hip down to my, the knee that it happened on. Yeah. I had to get double MRIs for sure. Tore it at the insertion point. Um, and actually, since they told me they weren't going to do surgery, I took uh, BPC-157 and TB-500 okay. every day for months just to speed up the recovery. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So that's wild, man. So then you got into powerlifting, essentially, because – or not powerlifting. You got into uh, bodybuilding and physique uh, sport because you couldn't compete in powerlifting anymore, so to speak. Correct. You had that injury. Was I needed something. Like, yeah, I was going to say, because yep. that's how it would have been for me. Is like, shit, right. I need something to do. Like, right. I don't do this powerlifting anymore. And, like, at least for me, if I don't have bodybuilding, I do drugs. That's just how I am. Like, yeah. I was a drinker. I was a drug addict. I'm a real shitty person if I don't have the structure and rigidity um, of the bodybuilding lifestyle, which is why right. I live it. You know, I've competed once in the past, like six years ago. I do plan on competing in the future again, but it was never really, it's like, it's not really about competing for me. It's just more of the lifestyle, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, just the right. daily discipline of, you know, pushing yourself to be the best version of yourself that you can be, whether that's, you know, in a cut phase, a maintenance phase, or a bulking phase sticking to that plan you know no matter what happens so um i would have been the same way because i'd be like shit my adductor's gone now i can't do this thing like the last thing i want to do is start drinking again so right like i've got to do shit now so power or physique sports uh is where it was for you now how was that transition so like you just you tore it like obviously you tore it and you're getting it looked at you know you're not changing your mind right away you're more assessing the situation for a couple weeks like how long did it take you to go from being a power lifter to okay how can i now do bodybuilding well i'll jump back again because i I like to do that i like to tell a story and then go back and add more information um I, i hired my current coach for just nutrition prior to getting injured and you want, if you want to plug him, you can. Yep. Um, Paul Unid, he's out of Canada. Uh, he actually was a strength coach at USF for a little while. But he does both bodybuilding and powerlifting coaching. Is One of his goals is to actually be the strongest squatter in Canada. Um, he's going to do his first bodybuilding show himself here in the next, I think, four weeks. Great guy. Super scientific. Um, when I people ask me recommendations on a diet coach sometimes, I'm like, do you want to know why you're doing what you're doing? Or do you just want the plan? If you want to know why, I'd hire him because he's going to give you the exact scientific explanation of why you're doing what you're doing. Which is what I like, yeah. Right. Me too. I'm very inquisitive. Yeah. I want to know every single thing of why I'm doing this. And I want to know the plan. Um, So I hired him actually because I started looking at powerlifting as a whole. And that's what I do. It's why I'm good at real estate is I diagnose everything in my life. Mm -hmm. Everything is sort of like a math problem that, you know, one plus one is going to equal two whether it's this muscle plus this muscle is going to equal this. Like, that's just how life works. Everything's an equation that you can solve and you're, have. Yeah, you're 100% right. Right. So I, I started looking at the top level, you know, power lifters for the most part, and all of them had very solid nutritional plans. So I was like, let's do this. Yeah, let's like get this the nutrition on board. Okay. Let's get my body. My plan was to do a couple of these. So sh- one thing real quick that I'm really yeah. liking about you is that, 
what I notice about you is you do research is yep. like, Hey, I have this thought and this idea. Let me see what everybody else is doing first and then figure out what I can do next. Right. And you're not above using somebody else's work to get you to where you want to be. Cause clearly X amount of people are doing it at work. So I'm going to do what they're doing, right. but I'm going to do it the Joe Mills legal way, yep. which is maybe I'd say 80% adherence to the way someone else does it. And 20% adherence to your own unique individual tendencies. Correct. Um, so that's really cool, man. And sorry, to, I didn't. No, no, no. That's fine. Like yeah. Cut you off. It's just yeah. like when I hear things like that, I, I like. So the way you are with like information and like doing research and all that stuff, I love like mindset and just people's perspective and getting to know people and having those conversations. So it's like when I hear that, I'm like, ooh, okay. Let, let right. me Expand on this shit. Um, no, that's cool. So you got uh, awesome coach who tells you why you yep. understand everything that yep. you're doing. Uh, you got that coach. Because the powerlifters uh, who you looked up to and who you wanted to be like all had diet coaches, they were all top performers. So that started with you started with Paul during your powerlifting. Yeah. So I mean, the, the idea was to get down because obviously, as a powerlifter, you, you're a little bit fluffy. Yeah. Like everybody used to tell me I was a lean sort of powerlifter. Well, I was like, I really want to find out what muscle I have on my frame. Like, where, where am I really at? So, like, I was competing at 220. Sometimes, you know, I wouldn't make it. I'd be, like, right at the low end of 242 where I was, like, 223. I was, like, let's taper down for a while and see what's really there. what I have. Right. So, that was the whole plan from the get-go and then build up from there for powerlifting. Okay. So, to taper down kind of the same principle as bodybuilding after a show, you can grow the best. Because your body's just absorbing all the nutrients and everything. That's when you're going to have your biggest growth is after So you're show. thinking that with powerlifting, essentially. Well, because I did the research on bodybuilding yeah. and I saw what they were doing too. And I was like, if I want to get significantly stronger quick, quickly. It is the same. Right. Yeah. It's it's the same principle. And I was I was already going to apply that. And once I got hurt, I was like, let's get shredded, dude. You know, let's just keep moving forward. I was like, let's just take it to the next level. And I actually did um, – February after I got hurt, I did a bench only at Battle of the Bay. I was actually going to try to take the state record, but I, I got my first attempt, missed my state record attempts. But it was the first time I ever cut to 198 successfully. Oh, wow. I used him. We got down to 198. We built back up. I was like, all right. So we did this once. We did it the easy way. You know, I still had carbs. We didn't do any extra cardio. He just had me go up to 10,000 steps a day. Mm -hmm. So I like to call him. I do mall walks. So instead of walking outside or walking on a treadmill, the wife and I will grab the baby. We'll go to the mall. We'll just walk around the mall. Do laps. Look at stores. It's, well, it's wet, weather controlled. You know, it's an environment where you know you're going to have, you know, a good lap. There's things to entertain your mind. Yeah, true. Talk um, about with your wife. Right. So we actually would talk. We're business partners. So we would talk yeah. a lot about our business and things like that. It give us an hour, hour and a half to just kind of. We're away from the computers. We're doing, you know, we're doing our steps. You're still kind of working. Right, You're right. enjoying well, each other's company. Right. You got your son in right. the house, so too. Right, so it was kind of a cool thing, and we yeah. still do them every once in a while. We did one last night. Um, but we did it all in mall walks and just controlling the diet, you know, eating cleaner foods. The carbs weren't high compared to where they are now, but that's a different story. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize when they start a diet, they actually eat more food because they weren't eating enough food. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, they're hungry and they increase the food. Yeah. So it was kind of the phase we were in. We cut the 198. I thought I looked amazing. Best I ever looked in my life. He's like, I was like, all right, man, let's pick a show. Picked a show. Um, I was going to actually do the Amateur Olympia that year. Oh, wow. And picked it. And I was like, all right, what's the next plan? He's like, let's build for a little while. 
and we'll start our cut in summer. Mm-hmm. So we did that. We got back up to about 218. Oh, wow. So the first time I cut that one, 198, I was That's cutting from pounds. 228. So I cut, yeah, about 30 pounds. Yeah. And then we got back up to 218. From 218, that prep, I got down to 188 before the Amateur Olympia. Oh, wow. So um, you gained muscle and then got even lower. Yeah. So I quit that prep 11 days from the show. Oh, wow. It's the first time doing a prep. Um, I was about two and a half weeks into no carbs when I quit. Yeah. So I had one carb day in two and a half weeks. And it was just too much... Um, like I said, I'm very busy. Real estate. I want, no, I want to talk about this. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't understand what real estate agents do. So I'll, I'll kind of throw that in there. Like, yes, you show houses. That's a very small part of the actual business. A lot of the part of the business is after you're under contract, it's keeping it under contract, balancing out both sides, making sure that everybody feels good about the situation and getting to the end. Some of that can get very hairy to where you have to get lawyers involved and things yeah, like that. Say, it's very, it's a very legal. You're dealing with people's money. That's usually the largest purchase they're ever going to make in their life. So it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions. Mm-hmm. So things can get super stressful. At that time, I probably had ten deals on the board mm-hmm. while I was trying to diet for a bodybuilding show. So I was not only trying to run new inspections and save deals, they were deals from Punta Gorda the whole way to like Bradenton. Well, plus you're dealing with arguments too. Yep. So and it's not even like every it's day. easy work where you're just crunching yep. numbers and yep. you're making sure that the dots connect. Yep. You literally have someone calling you and being like, listen, you fucking asshole. If yep. this isn't fixed right now, I'm going to sue you, blah, blah, yep. blah, blah. That conversation you no that carbs. you just said actually happened to me in the gym. Yeah. So there you go. And you yep. have no carbs. Yep. You're starving. Yep. You're in single digit body fat percentages. Yeah. And the last thing you need is somebody being like, Hey dickhead, right. where's my money? Well, it was, it was a listing. It was the same, same guy said that the exact words to me on the phone. It was a listing and we had gone under contract five times. Oh, wow. Buyers kept on backing out. Nothing oh, wow. I could do about it. Like there was a different reason each time. The reason on my end made sense. And he would just didn't see it that way. You know what I mean? So like that conversation happened in the middle of prep um, my family had never been through a prep. Like if you've never gone through a prep, you have to understand it's going to, f- it's a very selfish thing. Oh, it totally is. Well, and my coach, uh, Mark Lobliner, mm-hmm. like, uh, when we were doing onboarding about, uh, like three weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, this is what he was talking to me about before yeah. he brought me on as a client is he's like, look, you know, it's cool that you want to do a show and everything. Like right. we'll get there. I'm not guaranteeing you that I get you ready for one right now. Cause yeah. you're going to be ready when you're ready. He said, however, understand that this isn't something I recommend. He's like, I am a coach and I'll do it, but like, I don't recommend it. I have friends who've lost jobs, who've lost lives, families, like thousands of dollars. Shit gets real when you're competing for bodybuilding and getting into prep um, in ways that you don't realize. Yeah. Well, any good coach should try to talk you out of it. That's what he said too. He's like, yeah. And if you still want to do it after they try to talk you out of it, then you're probably good to go. Because you need so much willpower, discipline, and dedication that your average person just doesn't have it. Like they, every show, they like to come out and say, you're part of 1% now. 1% of the fitness community, not the world, yeah, just can the actually community. get here. 
I mean, and that's, again, to piggyback on, like, why I love this lifestyle and why it helps me so much with my drug addiction and alcohol addiction issues is because of how extreme it is. Yep. Because I am an extreme individual by nature. That's why I did the negative shit I did in my life. And so bodybuilding and fitness has given me a way to use these negative, like, just built-in ingrained behavioral habits I have and transition them into something that's, like, and I'm doing air quotes, healthy. Because, like, let's all be real bodybuilding is still not healthy right yes it can be healthy but for the most part especially when you're competing it's not healthy right you put your body through a very unhealthy situation um and you know it's worked for me and i'm blessed for that and that's part of why i have you know i do this podcast and all that stuff man so i'm really glad that we touched on it let's keep yeah yeah keep jamming so um that first prep was tough obviously we went no car because we were trying to really dial in the conditioning it's very important in bodybuilding especially we're going to do well i was going to a show that you didn't have to qualify for and you could win your pro card out. Well, especially nowadays, too. It's yeah. like back in Arnold's day, not to trash Arnold, but like yeah. he was fat compared to bodybuilders yeah. now. 100%. If he st- stepped on stage now, he'd lose. He'd be yeah. last place. Yeah. Like he had no veins anywhere other than his bicep. Yeah. So the conditioning is like everything, especially, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but on the higher levels of bodybuilding. Um, so we were going through that. And like I said, we had the job, we had to work life. My son was. Yeah, your son just born, right? Well, he was about, so this was 2021, so it was a year ago. He's about to be three. So he's like two. And I mean, he was just starting two. So that's, he's walking, he's running around. You know, I'm trying to help my wife and my son because he doesn't go to school. He doesn't go to daycare. We tried that once, worked out for three days, just wasn't a thing. Um, So all of those things kind of came together and I just didn't feel I could move forward. Yeah. But we went to the show anyway. We went to the Olympia. And then afterwards, I said to my wife, I said, I really want to do this. Like, I shouldn't have quit. Like, that was dumb. I hate being a quitter. Yeah. I didn't feel like a quitter because there was outside circumstances kind of pushing in more so than... Well, you made the best choice for any, your life and right, your family. Yeah. Right. Well, I had to see what it was. So, I picked a show further out in December. Um, it was actually Mel Chancey's show last year. Uh, the... What, what is it? holiday classic and we, we went through it i got more carbs leading up to it so i had three days or four days a week no carbs and then you know three or four days with carbs until we got close then we pulled them out um and i, I didn't look as good as i did for the olympia show because i put everything into that and mentally after that, I, you know, if I wasn't feeling great, instead of quitting, I was like, all right, I'm going to eat some extra carbs today. Yeah. You know, to justify that and kind of just get through it. I did a show. And then after I got on stage and I realized what it was and what peak week was, I was hooked, man. Like I was like, all right. Cause the plan was, like I said, even after the injury and all of that and doing bodybuilding, I was going to yeah. do a bodybuilding show to do the rebounding back in the power thing. Cause I was like, now I can build all these like muscles. Yeah. You know, from bodybuilding and I should be and good with my, my, my adductor, you know? And I was like, no, 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 I gotta, I gotta do this again. Like I have to do this again. I love that. Um, in between then I did a push pull event, you know, with Jordan that was coins for cause that mm-hmm. we did for charity. Uh, that went to the uh, powerlifting competition in December too, right? Yeah. I'm doing bench only at that king queen of the platform. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to do a full meet, but I'm going to actually present men's overall physique award up at a show in uh, Tampa. Oh, that's cool. That same night. So can't really do the whole meet and make it to Tampa because this meets, you know, down in, down in Port Charlotte. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was the plan. I did the show and 
you know, leading up to the show, I was like, I'm never going to do this again. I did it. And I was like, oh, well, wait a second. I can do better than this. So we actually went into a building phase. Um, so you did the show and the week into it, you were like, I don't want to do this again, but let's right. keep grinding. Right. Was it on show day where you were like, actually, this is kind of cool? Or was it the day after where you're like looking back on the experience well, and you're like, okay, I want to do better. It was right around Christmas time. So it probably wasn't even the day after. It was probably within like a week. Yeah. Um, just because I, I was kind of disappointed in my placing at the show. That's fair. Because yeah. I thought I, I looked better than I did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, looking back compared to what I've accomplished, I was like, all right, well, who knows? Um, and it was a big show. I think it was like over 250 athletes at that show. Oh, wow. So it's pretty big for a local bodybuilding show. Yeah. Average is like around 100 to 150. So that that was a pretty, pretty large show. Um, I, I didn't do so bad. There was one time that a category I was in had 37 athletes and I got first call outs. It's not bad for your first show. Um, I came in third overall in Masters. So not not good. terrible. So we went in. I was like, all right, let's, you know, kind of reassess this. Let's grow a little bit. Um, we try to grow. You know, I'll, I'll kind of pitch this in there. I do take uh, hormone replacements, so testosterone and things like that. Um, we we really took that dosage out until May. Uh, the wife and I were trying to have baby number two. We decided, you know, around May, we're going to stop trying. We're just going to focus on fitness. And because let's be honest, my son is more energy than any other person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. So I was like, all right, one is good. One is good. I got a boy, like whatever. Yeah, yeah, sports, cool. Um, let's, let's turn the dial up. Yeah, sure. Um, so we went back into obviously more than like a TRT dose. And I also say um, – you know, on the testosterone replacement kind of stuff, I've, I just actually got blood work done last week. The highest my levels have been in two years is still within normal range. Yeah. So I, I actually need it. Yeah. Like, you know, prior to being on testosterone, I had got tested. I do blood work. I do it all through a doctor, all through a clinic. Um, and my, my levels were like 200 and something before I got on it. And now my highest has been 896 which the average range is 300 to 900. Yeah. Like my levels last week were 712. So yeah. I'm kind so of just still in the middle. Like I'm your average 22 year old kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Basically. Totally. Um, so just, just to kind of throw that out there, I know, you know, sometimes you, you hear about bodybuilding, you're thinking they're throwing in, you know, eight CCs per day or whatever you want to you know call it. It doesn't necessarily have to be that. No. And it doesn't. my coach is actually really big while you're in prep and you can ready for a show. Not to take too big of a dosage because you actually hold water. True. And the water's at your enemy at the end when you're getting ready to get on stage. Yep. You're trying to be as dry as possible. Back to that. So we took like, what is that? I competed in December. So from December to May, I basically didn't take anything. So there was we're trying to grow, but I the highest weight I got up to was like 211. Okay. Started prep in May, but that was just kind of cleaning up the diet, making sure we're, you know, hitting our meals, we're getting everything in. Um, he pulled the trigger July 3rd weekend, July 4th. So I think it was July 4th was the first day. No carbs. We did no carbs. Nothing really. Damn it. Right. Damn well, it, no, I was ready. I was ready this time and I knew that that's what it was going to take. But we did. We ended up doing two shows this past year, both in August. Between those two shows, I did one August 5th or 6th. I can't remember the date. And then the 27th. Between July 3rd and August 27th, 
I ate carbs. All right, didn't eat carbs six days a week that whole time other than my peak weeks. Basically. So one day. Right. Some carbs. Probably like 200 grams. Right. Too, like I, I think I did the math at like 46 of 58 days I didn't eat carbs. <laughs> it's like I, I don't even know how you do that yeah it's like i'm on um so my coach cut me down to 360 carbs mm-hmm. and then i was at uh 420 mm-hmm. and as wild as that my metabolism is as fast as it is right now like mm-hmm. i lost three pounds last week on 400 grams of carbs a day yeah like 150 fats and 250 proteins fucking wild to me yeah um so yeah he cut my carbs down to 350 this week and like it's Today is Tuesday. Monday was the first day. I, I felt it yesterday. Like, so I can't even imagine what it would be like not having carbs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's rough. It's a mental challenge. Like, what's the first thing you notice? So you pull carbs. Do you notice it on day one? Do you notice it on day two? Um, probably after the first week for me now. Yeah. You so know, it's I, like the first week, like you, yeah. you're just kind of going through your stores. And, well, you have enough body fat. Like yeah. you're just, it's, it's going to eat that. But in the second week, like your body fat, you're starting to, you know, flatten out. Yeah. Things like that. Um, no carbs for long periods of time messes with your brain function. Cause not only do we know no carbs, we do very little fat. Mm-hmm. So like there's your brain needs 60 grams of fat a day minimum. Yeah. I was eating like six some days. Yeah. So there was very little fat. Um, you know, going into that. So like I said, your, your brain function, everything, but this time there was only like two times that I felt like I wasn't fully in control of my attitude. Yeah. And that's really good for the span of time that I eat no carbs. You think that's cause it's uh you've been doing it for a while. So it's like, hey, what was my second rodeo? Yeah, so I same. learned I'm, I, I'm a very quick learner. So if I can do something once I can do it again yeah, cause it's and like, again oh, and again. Uh, yeah. This happened last time. Right. Okay. You're being a bitch. Right. Like whatever. My next prep, I'll be able to push myself much harder for much longer. And I plan on it because my next prep will be for national shows. Yeah. I'm not going to do any local shows next year. I'll only do national level shows to try to get my pro card, IFBB pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start that in May and I'll do shows until it happens. Until, yeah. Right. However long you got to go. Right. And I'll start technically prepping January 1st. <clears throat> Okay, so to start the new year, essentially, mm-hmm. so 2023 starts and you're in prep on Gen 1. I won't eat any cheat meals until we have a pro card. That's awesome. So you get them out of the way now. <laughs> yeah. While you're well, you know, I don't actually crave them anymore. Like my wife is like, you're crazy. I would be eating whatever, you know, I could right now. I'm like, I don't really even care. I get food. Yeah. You get real food. And I've learned over time how to make that food more appetizing while staying healthy. Yeah. So I like, just recently discovered sandwiches again. Yeah. Like, I, I just, yeah. I love putting meat on bread. Yep. <laughs> when my wife met me, I only ate sandwiches. <laughs> well, I mean, right, can't right. style. Right. I'm running a gym. I was a, I was a bachelor, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like hungry. Every, every piece of meat went between a bread. It was a steak, <laughs> put it in between some bread, some mayonnaise, cheese, whatever. Yeah. Sounds disgusting, but like everything became a sandwich for me. Um, but you fast forward this year, I, I did pretty well. I'm nationally qualified, like I said. There was, there, you know, the one show I felt like I should have placed better, but it's an objective sport, so you're going to deal with that. The goal was to get nationally qualified, and we did that. Um, but the interesting thing was my wife just did her first show this past weekend. Yeah. And it has been her dream to step on stage longer, and it's been mine. It's awesome. She had gone through, like, Amanda Latona seminars and a few other things before she had even met me. 
And that was a dream of hers when we so met. So she was interested before you were. She interested. wanted to be an Olympian before we even met, you know, because she had met these girls. She had gone to their seminars. She, you know, found a love for fitness because, um, well, neither of us are drinkers now. We haven't drank in years and years and years and years. She didn't have a problem. I did. She quit because I didn't drink. Same with me. Yeah. It was it was easy for her. Very easy. She set it down when she never looked back. She said it. I can set this down, but not cupcakes. Recently, she learned to set cupcakes down. <laughs> <laughs> we finally got to yeah, the cupcakes. You're right. No, but um, so we, we she did her first show. She did very well for her first show. First overall in True Novice, uh, second in Novice, and third overall in her open class. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, but her level of conditioning, she was probably one of the most conditioned girls out there. Um, did she get coached by Paul as well? Yes. Well, she started with a different coach. And that coach wasn't changing things and she just felt kind of disconnected from him where she had seen what I'd gone through with Paul and we had talked about it for weeks before and he actually suggested to her that she stayed with her coach and go through the process and do her first show with the coach. Yeah. So not only just you don't want to jump ship on somebody, you want to see what they're going to because it was like five, six weeks out. Yeah. He's like, Joe, you know, the last five, six weeks, a lot of things change. Yeah. And so, like, I don't even know her body. Like, right, know. right. Yeah. So she stuck with him for two more weeks. And actually three weeks out, she switched my coach. Oh, wow. Because it just got to the point where she felt so disconnected. He wasn't changing anything. He was kind of like, you know, she felt like it was there were some things lagging. And I told her, I was like, we know the end result with Paul. Yeah. We, we've seen it with me. Like so Two shows, right? I've done no, three shows with Paul now. So at that point, it was, yeah, it was yeah, three shows. We know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you're going to get to condition. And she knew that in the offseason, she was going to have to switch to Paul anyway to build her legs. Because this this coach that she went with, he's a big-name coach. I won't mention him. But he coaches a lot of pro bikini girls. Yeah. Um, I think he lives out in California or something like that. But we knew that he wouldn't be the one to grow her. Because yeah. a lot of his workouts came from, like, bodybuilding.com and things like that. You know? Yeah, cookie cutter shit. Right. So we knew eventually it was going to happen. So she did switch to Paul and her conditioning was just top notch. Her, she's actually doing another show in 11 days. Oh, wow. She's doing right a clash right. in Orlando. And I tell you what, just seeing it from where I'm in the stands or in the backstage helping her warm you, up. You're the support. Right. It's a different perspective and it gives me a whole new level of love for the sport too. Because now it's something that we can do together. We did powerlifting together. She won more. I've never won an overall at a meet. She's won twice. She's won swords. Fantastic. Everything that I do, she does. Better. Right. <laughs> Even real estate. She's, but she's, I mean, isn't that the way it should be though? Right. It, at least in my mind. Like, as hey, a man I, I paved the way. I like, paved the way. I'm saying. As a man in the relationship, and you're she, like, this is where we're yeah, going. Yeah. And then the woman's like, okay, let me take us there. And like, right. you're better than you. Right. And then to me, that's like the best sign of like manhood. Cause it's like, right. not only did I point us in the direction, but I provided an environment that was, uh, fostering and safe and secure enough for you to flourish and become better than I am. Right. Well, I'll backtrack just for a second with real estate. I got to the point that I was making enough money that she was able to leave her job as a vet tech and do real estate. She didn't have to do it the way I did because I had to go all in, throw everything into it because I didn't have a choice. I had you to be successful. Right. I needed the income. We didn't need the income. She got to do it how she wanted to. She got to learn everything. She got to go to classes. She became better because her knowledge became more vast, mm -hmm. faster. And she got to learn from me how I did it because I, over time, simplified the process. Mm -hmm. 
So she was able to, you know, kind of excel there where with powerlifting, she saw me do it a few times and she was interested. She did it. She did it very well because one thing that I will say is she can push herself in the gym harder than I can. Now the diet, she's getting there to the point to where she can push herself on the diet to where I can, mm -hmm. but that was the easier part for me. That's right. This, I'm the opposite. Yeah. A training for me is like, no one can. I just, yeah. I will literally die under the barbell. That's just the fucking <laughs> way it is. Like if you and I are going to do like right. a, you know, say we do 135 rep out, yeah. like you might beat me on reps, but yeah. I will die on that. Right. Like that's just the way I am. Well, I've always been like the most nonchalant lifter you'll ever see. Like you saw my video of 405. Like I just walked up there like. No, I know. That's what I said. I was like. <laughs> like I look like I'm half asleep, like whatever. Or some guys are, you know, they're smelling salts, throwing her on the ground and screaming. Yeah. Where I don't need that kind of environment where she she can kind of like amp herself up and let's go mm -hmm. where like i can go move weight and i can look like you're more of like a zen and happy lifter I'm just like right here this is what i'm doing right we're here to move we're right here to grow let's go right. not so much like oh i'm ready to fuck shit up right yeah. right right um oh, that's cool. but that's that's kind of our personality traits i'm you know the more laid back one that kind of has a higher level patience things like that where she's she's not um but she's doing very well in this, and I, I see her having a good off season after, you know, I don't know if she's going to do one more show or two more shows this year, but I, I love to see it. Like, you know, my inspiration for all of this really is her and, you know, also my son because I want him to see that, like, you, you can push through things. You can accomplish these things. You know, when he's older, he'll look back at that when he's doing his own, you know, sports or whatever he's good at where he can say, well, yeah, you know, my dad shouldn't have been able to be an IFBB pro, but he did it. But he you, was. Right. He did it. You know what I mean? He did it at 37 years old. So you'd say your son's probably your biggest motivation now? I'd say Laura and Laura. then my son because yeah. everything I'm kind of no right stems to her to where like I, I do everything for her. You know, I'm successful for her. I became successful so she could go to chiropractic school. Yeah. You know, once we got married, I wanted a better life. So I started figuring out and then she, you know, got into chiropractic school. So she got there first. She ended up going, but so I got the real estate first. So but, would it be fair to say without her, you wouldn't be where you are now? No, no, no. I would have lived I, before I met her. I had no ambition to like climb for the ceiling. Yeah. Like I worked out, like I was in decent shape, but I had no goals for fitness other than just go to the gym, you know, four or five times a week. Yeah. And then you know, kind of hang out with my friends and stuff on weekends. I could live on $2,000 a month. Yeah. No problem. You know what I mean? I had no ambitions of Corvettes and yeah. things like that. But with her, I always wanted more for us. Yeah. So it's the same in the gym. Like I see a future, like I already had, you know, a fitness business. Yeah. I see a future for us in fitness in too. fitness as well. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So basically you were like this uh, dreamless, like just going through the motions, going yep. through life person. With dreams, I just didn't care about. Them. Yeah, you just give a, <laughs> right, you know, you're right. just like, well, whatever. I'm right. just doing my thing, like, right. running this gym and whatever. Right. Then she comes into your life, and you're like, well, shit. Actually, like, I kind of do care about this stuff now because well, I it's somebody else to work her. for besides myself. Yeah, like I want to yep. do this for her, not necessarily like right. I want this for me, but I want this for her. Right. And then you took the skill of wanting to be better for her, transitioning that to wanting to be better for yourself in a physique sport. Yep. So that's pretty like, – I just yeah. think that's cool like the way that you learned that behavior and skill right. over time, right? It's like right. you weren't this way. She came to your life. You were then motivated to change things up to provide better for her 
and then through providing better for her over years and that just becoming who you are, right. starting the real estate business, pushing yourself in every aspect, and then now taking that skill and actually applying it to things you want for you, right. not necessarily well, like and her, like I it said, help her too, it right? was her dream to always get on stage before mine. Yeah. And she had tried one time before and she was about three weeks out and she just didn't feel like she was ready. And that's when she actually first tried powerlifting. Okay. It's like five weeks after that. So me being able to do this three times, you know, she had started a prep prior to that. She started a prep part to her too. Yeah. Right. In like May or June to where she's like, all right, I think I'm going to do a show. And just seeing me be able to go through it helped her, I think, a lot. The confidence. I can do this, too. Because I kept telling her, I was like, you're better than me at all of this stuff. Yeah. Like, if I can do it, you can definitely do it. You're a tougher person. Yeah. You gave birth. Yeah. I said, no, I mean, it's true. Like, the amount <laughs> like, of pain and, right. like, discipline that right. it takes to do that. Yeah. Like, you've, you've you've done things that I know you can do this. You let's can let's show you like, to do it again. Like, I'll do it again. Yeah. And, you know, I'll keep on taking, I obviously have my own dreams for it, but I'm going to help her get to hers too. Yeah. It's still more right. motivated. Like right. I'm going to show you what I can do and right. then that'll motivate you. Right. And that's really, that's really cool, man. Yeah. I just love the way that relationships work and yeah. like how, you, you know, how you guys are pushing each other to be better like that. That's super awesome. So she crushed her first show. She's got another show uh, coming up. You are getting ready for a show. January is going to be when you start prep. Yeah. So it'll be like May. We are at the end of an hour yep. of an amazing conversation. They can find Joe as the strongest realtor on Instagram. Yep. But I guess I always like to ask this. What's one thing that you'd like to leave our guests with? Like one thing from this episode that you feel as though like is super value or just something that you've learned or a phrase or a quote, just anything that like helps you that you think of during hard times that can maybe help our guys or just something that's motivational. Um, I mean, honestly, if you learned anything here, it's if you really want something, you got to go do it. You got to do something. Right. You, you have to put in the work. You have to put in the time. You have to make sacrifices. Like, and you'll get it. Like, anybody can basically achieve anything that they want to if they put in enough time. Correct. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So, essentially, do the work and you're going to get to where you want to be. And then the thing that I love the most about uh, Joe are two things, the relationship that he has with his wife. And then also um, just the way I said it earlier on the podcast, just how like he looks at a problem and he's like, Hey, let's get everything I can information about this problem, see how other people have solved it and then figure out how I can actually solve this problem for myself, which is really awesome. Cause most people would be like, Oh, here's a problem. Okay. Moving on. Yep. Or, oh, here's a problem. Hey, mom, I have a problem. <laughs> right? And you're right. just like, all right, well, I have a problem. Um, okay, let's go fix this fucking problem. Right. Um, so that's really good, man. And then one quote that I, I'll, I like to leave everybody with one thing, too. I read this quote the other day. Super cool. I think you might appreciate it, too. Um, it goes, uh, ugh, I'm getting, like, nervous. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting nervous. That's it fine. goes, uh, everybody, um, or let me pull, up, pull it up on my phone. Oh, yeah, here it is. Everybody pities the weak, but jealousy you have to earn. Yeah. So leave that with you guys. Go out and crush your dreams and your goals and make people jealous. Hope you have a good one. And, Joe, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just wanted to say thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram by tagging at Tideline Sports Performance so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from us, make sure you follow at Tideline Sports Performance on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. All right, guys, catch you next episode. <laughs>